The bells tolled uninterrupted for fifteen minutes as they carried the coffin into St. Nadelia's Cathedral. At the head of the procession was Patriarch Maxim, head of the Bulgarian Orthodox Church. Behind him were several thousand mourners. It seemed as if Le Tout Sophia had come on that blustery cold Friday in March 2003 to pay their final respects to Ilya Pavlov, the man who had defined the 1990s for them. At the end of the service, thirty brothers from the dear departed's Masonic Lodge, the ancient, free and accepted Scottish custom, closed the doors of the cathedral. Dressed in jet-black suits and clasping bouquets of white flowers, the men performed a secret ritual to speed Brother Pavlov to the Eternal Orient. His overall, gloves, and the lodge's crest then accompanied Brother Pavlov to the Grand Architect of the Universe. A government minister bore a message from the Prime Minister, Simeon Saxa Koburski. Formerly the King of Bulgaria, the lean and elegant Simeon had relinquished his claim to the throne in order to lead his country and its government out of the morass of the late 1990s, after his political party had won a landslide victory in the elections of 2000. We shall remember Ilya Pavlov, read the king's telegram of condolence, because he created jobs for many families in a difficult period for the people. We'll remember him for his spirit as a businessman and for his extraordinary energy. MPs, artists, the bosses of the most important oil companies and banks, two former Miss Bulgarias, the entire Levski soccer team, two Bulgarians, a fusion of Manchester United and the Yankees, all joined Pavlov's grieving family. There as well was another prominent group of his acquaintances, better known to the Bulgarian public by their nicknames, The Skull, The Beak, Dimi the Russian, and The Doctor. The most conspicuous absentee was the American ambassador to Bulgaria, Jim Pardue. The embassy had made urgent inquiries five days earlier, on March 7th, when a single sniper bullet felled Ilya Pavlov at a quarter to eight in the evening, as he chatted on the phone outside the headquarters of his megacorporation, Multigroup. The death of such an eminent and wealthy American citizen on foreign soil would naturally raise serious concerns for the United States and its representatives. Pavlov could never have made it to the White House, as he was not born in America, but he was still a proud foot soldier in that mighty army that had participated in the rich traditions of naturalized immigration to the United States. The only curious aspect about Pavlov's American aspirations was that two consecutive U.S. ambassadors to Sofia vigorously opposed them. Both diplomats made personal representations in Washington to try to prevent Pavlov from entering the country, let alone having U.S. citizenship bestowed upon him. But Pavlov also had his supporters in the United States. Despite an FBI investigation into his past activities, not to mention heightened security concerns after 9-11, Pavlov received his American passport. In the 1970s and 1980s, communist Bulgaria was topped only by Romania and Albania as the most miserably depressing place to live in Europe. I recall tramping through the fog-bound streets of Sofia, drifting from one shade of grey to the next in search of a restaurant or café to alleviate the boredom. As a foreigner and journalist, I always had included in my personal hospitality pack at least two minders from the DS, Bulgaria's KGB, who tracked my every footstep. Their presence ensured that, on the rare occasion I persuaded ordinary folk to engage in conversation, 
the best I could hope for was a little chit-chat about the weather. But slowly I understood that beneath this moribund conformity there were eddies of activity, some quite vigorous, that nourished more interesting lifestyles, not the pained martyrdom of intellectuals and dissidents who fought courageously against the injustice of communism, but the serendipity or good fortune of some who found ways to mould parts of the system to their advantage. As a teenager growing up in the 1970s, young Ilya Pavlov had one particular skill that marked him out from most of his peers. He was an accomplished wrestler, indeed the champion of Bulgaria in his weight class. Had he been very smart or a gifted rock guitarist, Ilya might have landed in trouble, as these talents usually led youngsters to a life of rebellion and disobedience. But in Bulgaria, the greatest heroes were not soccer or tennis players, but muscle men. Before the fall of communism, weightlifting, wrestling and boxing were dominated by Eastern Bloc states, which routinely pumped their promising sportsmen and women with gallons of steroids in the search for Olympic glory. A pro in all but name, the successful wrestler could expect public acclamation and fringe benefits such as casual sex on tap, money, an apartment and a car, the latter two being out of the reach of all but the most fated youngsters. Pavlov would have anticipated this when he was picked out to attend the Institute for Physical Culture in Sofia, Bulgaria's elite breeding ground for future Olympians. Ilya was doubly advantaged because his father ran a restaurant and bar in Sofia, where his tough young son worked. At that time, being a barman or waiter conferred considerable social status on you, explained Emil Kulov, one of his contemporaries at the Institute. He hung out with a lot of tough guys, and people looked up to him. That way he also came into contact with the security services. For an uneducated young steer like Pavlov, the DS was not the Orwellian instrument of repression that people in the West perceived. For some Bulgarians, it was an avenue to status and influence. If, as many claim, Pavlov worked as an informant for the DS, then he could expect rewards. His most important came in the shape of a pretty young woman, Tony Chegolanova, who accepted his proposal of marriage in 1982. A greater catch than the girl was her father, Petr Chegolanov who worked for state security. Ilya had wed into secret police royalty.